Hi everyone, this podcast was recorded live at CRE Tech Venture Conference, the conference which connects commercial real estate to tech companies, and there were a thousand people in attendance, so if you can power through the background noise, this was a really interesting conversation. It featured my co-host Carl Radke, our guest co-host Sarah Malcolm, the COO of the Content Funnel, and our guest Jeremy Bergstein from The Science Project, which is an integrated retail innovation agency, along with Brian Presge from Pixels and Bricks. We had a really interesting conversation around the future of retail. Hi everyone, my name is Dahlia Strum and I'm here with my co-host. Carl Radke, hello. And we're even here with our guest co-host, Sarah Malcolm. Hey, hey, hey. Don't be so excited, Sarah. I'm a little, a little excited. <laughs> um, and we're podcasting live at CRE Tech. Sarah, what is CRE Tech? CRE Tech is the number one commercial real estate technology conference bringing together all of innovation, technology, and the commercial real estate industry. So. It's amazing. Yeah, so this year we uh, planned on having about 700 and a thousand people decided to show up, so it's pretty exciting. It's pretty yeah. cool. And in the terminal, we're live here at Terminal 5, which yeah. I'm not used to being a, uh, a conference area. It's more of a watch rock and roll or rap right? music. Yeah. <laughs> so have, you cool guys, have you guys been here? I've been here a bunch, but not for a conference like this. Okay. Pretty cool setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, times, actually. You have? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited because we actually have another guest, um, basically from the Science Project. So you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, what the Science Project is? Guys, and this I is... Uh, Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Bergstein from the Science Project. This is my uh, maiden podcast journey over here, which I'm pretty excited about. It's great to be doing it from Terminal 5 over here, a kind of uh, microphone in front of me in a rock and roll place. It's tough to know whether to talk about uh, retail and real estate innovation or bust out in heavy metal. But, yeah. uh, so we're a New York-based boutique agency that uh, specializes in retail experiences and real estate innovation. So we're working with uh, progressive retailers, brands, and uh, commercial real estate companies that are looking to really create value on uh, online in uh, physical stores and every place in between. So Jeremy and I actually met previously at Fashion Tech Lab uh, during Demo Day. Yeah. And you were working on like a couple of interesting pitches back then. That was what, like four or five months ago, something? I guess so, yeah. There's there's so many conferences. There's so many technology conferences in retail and fashion. Um, it's refreshing to be here because this is obviously totally different. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, do you get a lot of your business from going to like conferences like this, or is this just more you're learning and a little bit of both, actually. Yeah. I mean, there are some that are very studious that are really like exciting, and you're sitting there and doing like seminars and learning. And then there's some that are very much, uh, you know, bunch of people talking. Sure. And, yeah. Well, so you, you do like retail experiences, and like, is there like a conference experience? Like, do you gain kind of knowledge about how these events go to use for some of your retail pitches or maybe other? I mean, they are for for sure. Yeah. For sure. In fact, we've done everything from we created. Many years ago, we did the entire sort of conference experience for an older conference many years ago called Decoded, and we talked about the infra the the technology infrastructure needed to support retail experiences of the future, and then we built sort of a pop-up environment back then. But you know, we're always we're always at these conferences. I'm a ex-school teacher. I was an ex-science teacher. So. One of my favorite things about you because because you're so patient in how you describe what you do and. 
<laughs> Can you speed it up, please? Can <laughs> <laughs> I just no, say that I was a really good science student? <laughs> science yes. was, I was way better at science than math. Right? So I respect a good science I have to tell you guys, I was a horrible student, but I was a great teacher. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I learned, honestly, some of the most important lessons from teaching, I think, that I ever had in in implementation, even and uh, even today, just listening to commercial real estate innovation, I'm reminded of technology is so progressive. There's so much information out there and so many tools, but the speed of actually people to operationalize it in an organization is not always there. And commercial real estate is just starting this like really, you know, traumatic and disruptive cycle of starting to think about. Uh, rethinking their infrastructure. Their infrastructure has gone from a physical infrastructure. Now it's a digital infrastructure, and they're starting to recognize it as a real complement to their properties and their business. But um, it's going to be a long road. Uh, starting to like bring that in and operationalize it, market it, and understand what to do with it. So how did you, science teacher to real estate technology specialist, <laughs> entrepreneur, how do you get from that science to where you are now? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, during the first sort of dot-com boom, I was recruited into a company that made all the enterprise software for modeling agencies, hair, photography. And, um, oh, my old industry. Oh, <laughs> you know, we were building uh, CRMs, we are building content management systems, we are creating these beautiful websites, and we are vertically integrating that. I kind of want to be in a hackathon with you, honestly. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't do the coding. But, um, you know, I realized that I did not love that side of the business too much, but I really liked building beautiful web properties and really controlling and understanding the technology enterprise that underpinned it, the data, and what you can really read into the data. And I really just wanted to do that for a bigger and more exciting uh, in a customer-facing industry. So we got involved, or I got involved with retail and was early on building um, e-commerce and building digital retail, really understand the customer and their journey and how they interact with the brand, follow up with the product, and then check out on a website, get service, etc. Um, at the time, E-commerce was sort of uh, becoming uh, click, you know, collect, sort, search, sort, filter, and check out in as few steps as possible. And um, APIs were becoming available where you could connect different experiences into an API. So we started to create wildly physical, amazing physical experiences, but then connect that with the data of the enterprise so that we could extend a customer experience into a physical space. So you could have it ostensibly an e-commerce experience in a, you know, while having a pillow fight or in a window. So we were creating holiday windows at the time for Barney's, for Saks Fifth Avenue, for Bloomingdale's and creating these amazing digital experiences, but always striving to collect data around acquisition, collect preferential data that could get delivered to that retailer to continue to add value to their enterprise. And that's really just been really formative in our practice and creating these experiences wherever the customer is rather than solely in the physical square foot. And were you able to 
a show in ROI around like creating those amazing windows? For sure. I mean, the ROI that they were looking at was engagement, social volume, and then data acquisition. And why, sure. why is all of that important to a business? Um, well, I mean, these have become massive values to a business. You can now see and you know now create more personalized experiences, and it, it helps them understand what customers want at any one time, and that helps to influence supply chain. It helps them to influence where to open a store and how to open a store and the size of the store. The more you understand about the customer, the better. I mean, it doesn't make any sense these days to just go and fall in love with a 10,000 square foot store in a mall somewhere if you don't know, is anybody going to come and how do I get them there and what do they want to shop for? So data can begin to show you guys, show you know, show them that. So, and I think commercial real estate is starting to see that in many ways data represents this uh, progressive and innovative square foot. You know, it has become the, the infrastructure for the next generation of experiences and it's not even limited to physical spaces. There's no lease line or cash wrap and data. So, it, you know, it really mirrors the customer's journey, which is exciting. Uh, so, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're on a roll. <laughs> All of you guys are on a roll. Uh, we get to talk about rock and roll here in Terminal 5. We will. So All right, good. Towards the end, yeah. <laughs> we have more stuff we want to get out of. We have way more questions. I know he's smart, isn't he? He's really smart. I know. I'm taking notes. Right? In my brain. <laughs> so everybody keeps talking about the fact that retail's dead, right? Um, and I think this is a big conversation in the industry. It's obviously not. How do you feel about that? And how are you actually showcasing that with the projects you're working on? I don't think retail is dead at all. You know, this great uh, other like sort of innovate, innovation pundit uh, the retail profit would say last week he just spoke at ICSE that yeah. boring retail is dead right you know, I like that boring retail is dead I mean of course it is like you know if you can get a product and you know fall in love with a brand anywhere and get a product anywhere like why go to a store you got to go there for the brand experience better service more availability you know those sort of things so I don't necessarily think that retail is dead at all it's just changing and you know it I, I wonder when we'll ever learn that, you know, like, to sort of, um, that trauma, like, to be sort of disruptive and bouts of trauma are just sort of the regular. It's like, you know, the only thing constant is change. Like, how do we not listen to that in every part of our lives? Well, I think, I mean, a lot of people say that, and if you look at the online brands, they're now going brick and mortar. I mean, they're, they're, oh, yeah. you know, they're going. Even in, like, in Soho, like, Brooklyn and just build up, you know, build a store. The greats have a store. These are all digitally native stores or, or brands. But for you, like, is there a brand or a retail experience that you love right now? That I mean, I'm going to bring in Brian Presque over here, who's uh, who's a good friend and, and I work with quite often. And he just got back from uh, one of the science projects uh, clients uh, that we worked with, Nike, and just got back from the Nike store. But P.S. We did not build this store. We created their direct to consumer brand framework for all of their stores but Nike is just like such a brand, amazing brand a great brand experience why not like that why don't you talk about it welcome thanks for joining us it's great to be here um, I did I was at this Nike 
store, and it was one of the greatest experiences in retail I've had in a really long time. It's just to, to come back for a second on your question about retail being dead. I think it's just a lot more fun to write your apocalypse story than it is the Renaissance story. But, I love that. It's just more fun to do that. But within your industry in real estate, like you have to change your business model. Evolution's happening, and it's happening in a really big way. And what's really fun about it is we've got so much information to know what to do because consumers now are aggressive. They've got technology, they're digital, they're telling us what they want us to create for them. It's a matter of listening. And if you go in that Nike store, they're listening. Outside of just feeling good about yourself being in this environment that is exciting and colorful and innovative, the things you expect to happen when you're shopping are there. They're out of a size you want. You simply order it and pay for it on your phone. If they happen to have what you want. That's literally me every single day. Every day. I order everything online. We literally got rid of 50 boxes the other day. That's how many shipments I get to my house. And that was in a week. Right. And that's, by the way, that's most consumers now. But if you do want to try it on, you're in the store. You're just, it's so much is about discovery. You find things you like. Utilizing what's in your hand. They bring it right to the dressing room for you. I, I've been there and it's amazing. They even have a basketball hoop that if you want to try on the new Nike basketball shoes, you can even go Maybe a little bit of hoops while trying them off. Right. That's the, that is the brand now. The brand is not just how it looks, but how it feels. And physical retail provides you the opportunity to create a brand experience. The idea of just creating a sort of two-dimensional reflection of the brand. That, that's dead, you know, like Brian, I'm fairly certain that he's not Serena Williams, you know, so he needs to experience see how the brand feels for him. That's what direct-to-consumer is, and physical retail affords you the opportunity to do that in a way that nothing else can. You said that we're not a two-dimensional brand, right? So, so what does that mean? What is two-dimensional now? I just think that, you know, for, that, for a long time, the formula was launch, launch you know, a brand create a product and then the brand advertising was contained in sort of a two-dimensional composition by real masters of their craft. Don't get me wrong, I admire advertising and marketing just so, like so much, but we just have so many more tools right now that can bring a brand into three dimensions. How does it look? How does it feel? What's the script and the narrative between an associate and a customer? I know because we did, you know, we were influential in it with the Nike experience. All of those associates Associates are geared to deliver just a little bit of victory to you. Whether you're Brian Presgay, Jeremy, Sarah, Dahlia, Carl, like just a measure of making you feel like you're gonna perform a little bit higher. Because you know what, you're not Tiger Woods or Serena Williams. So you know that's like creating, creating an active in a brand. It's really what it comes down to. And the idea is that there's really nothing new under the sun. Like, but we're just thinking about brands differently now, and we have new tools. Well, I think it's when you're in the store, outside of thinking, oh my God, I can spend an unbelievable amount of money here, all I kept thinking to myself was, oh, I want to be more active. Yeah. Like, the minute I get back home, what else can I go do? I think that's amazing, right? Like, that they're able 
great sentiment motivating you to want to be more active. Like motivating your actual uh, behavior, your user behavior, just from a store experience. And beyond this. Yeah, right. beyond That's the exactly right. So that's, I mean, I think that that's like worth talking about. And listen, we're part of a wave of, I think, you know, creative agencies and, and technology innovators coming into commercial real estate that don't really think about the square foot and lease lines because, you know, behaviors and emotions, they, it doesn't matter. If you own victory or you own, like, I'm going to be a little bit better with this brand, that, you're going to go and seek them out wherever they are. So, you, you know, owning that behavior and owning that emotion supersedes lease lines. And, the, and what you just said is its really the key part, which is wherever you want to do it. And that's where companies like Jeremy's are so vital. Because a lot of times when you work for a brand, especially for a number of years, you get a little too close to the brands. And maybe the boxes on the org charts aren't exactly where they need to be, and they create a silo of nature. And someone like Jeremy can come in with a fresh view and really help understand what needs to be done to create seamlessness in between those silos. So as a consumer, we can interact with that brand however we want to. And it creates that feeling of personalization that we're all craving for from the brands that we love. Totally. Thanks, Brian. I'm feeling fresh. Fine, that was great. I'm going to the Nike store right after this. And I'm, then I'm going to go home and work out. But, but wait, just about this conversation. There's one more experience that you guys have been working on, the Lexus experience. Can we talk about that? Oh, man. I mean, I wish I could, again, both of these, I wish I could claim that I, you know, that I was responsible for all of these. Obviously, these things come together with world-class architects, world-class builders. Automotive, though, is really kind of struggling to break out of what is an older kind of legacy business model where their brand is represented by all of these different dealerships that, you know, listen, they're, they're characterized by the great families and personalities behind them, but the physical experiences are largely, uh, you know, a fish tank, uh, an espresso machine, <laughs> and a couch literally across the country. So, you know, Tesla obviously really upended that, creating these experiential education hubs to really let you know what the brand is all about. And they do it in malls, right? Like everywhere, totally, yeah. And I mean, they've done such a great job. And you know what? You're not driving a car in that mall, but are you learning ostensibly more about the car and what your life is going to be like with the Tesla brand in this inline store in a mall? I think, you know, I think maybe um, Lexus, Lexus set out to create like a brand house that would represent the Lexus brand and all of the brand things that they stood for. Innovation in technology, um, engineering excellence, they've got this fascinating, fascinating term, Japanese term called omotenashi, it's the art of expecting somebody and the idea that like we're waiting for you and we, you know, guys like Brian and I who are tech guys would recognize that that's a, there's technology there. If you have a CRM around your customer, you know that they like red cars, they like to go on Sunday drives, but they're really like, uh, they created this incredible brand house in the meatpacking district. There's one in Dubai and one in Tokyo that really represents, again, not how the brand looks and how the car drives, but how it feels, the, the detail they put into the, um, you know, the interiors of the car, what it feels like when you open the sunroof. Um, they ally themselves with great brands that reflect their um, characteristics and their values in retail. They brought in Danny Meyer, 
there to create these uh, food and beverage experiences on the second floor. They've got a, a, a coffee shop on the first floor that you can pre-order coffee and you go in and pick it up in a little nod to Omo Tenashi. So, you know, it's this idea that we can create innovative experiences around these brands and create a, a, a massively valuable brand experience without actually, you know, making you test drive a car with somebody sitting next to you asking you how you like it, which, you know, is, is hugely valuable. I'm learning so much right now. This is honestly <laughs> incredible. Okay, so the biggest question is, what is the value of brand experience? That's a great question. I mean, I prefer... There's so there's certainly there's listen there's people who are better and more creative on experiential certainly than I am that are going out and doing experiential at conferences or just doing in, yeah or just doing incredible like we we did Nestle's pillow fight originally in Times Square and I saw this pillow fight it was hilariously but oh my I, God, I wish I was there so it was so fun and this was really early on in digital it was, this was years ago but we were pulling apart cell phones back in the day and making digital pillows that registered the amount of hits you had and then it would put it onto social media. And that was just measured by social volume. But we've tried to connect that with retail and with real estate so we can measure the amount of activity in a trade area around a, around a physical space, the amount of email acquisition and data acquisition you're capturing, how many, how many people then are driven to the location and cross the lease line, and then has that continued into the physical space and people have picked up a shoe and purchased, uh, you know, purchased that actual item. So we've really striven to connect the entire customer journey to that retail sales funnel through technology. And is there any advice that you can leave us with on how to be successful while we dance to this music in the background? <laughs> Um, I would say bite-sized chunks. You know, I always said when everyone likes to talk about omni-channel, customers don't travel in omni-directions. Create, you know, one step, then two step, and then operationalize it. Make sure that your organization feels comfortable with it, and then start to connect other steps, because you can't do it all at once. I think you need your own podcast. I think so, too.